This is Dr. Courtney Tracy, also known as the Truth Doctor. Welcome to Your Unconscious is Showing, a no BS podcast platform created to discuss the underlying truths beneath our daily lives and what and who we think we are. Today's episode is on borderline personality disorder and how the symptomatology presents itself in the individual. I also discuss the stigma and interventions related to these diagnoses and address personal experiences of some of the aspects of healing related to this diagnosis. I wanted to stop and give a major appreciation shout out to everyone who has left me a review so far. They mean so much to me and seeing how my episodes affect you all in a positive way lights up my week. I can't wait to see what you all write after this one and I'm honored to have you all in my Truth Seekers family. Don't forget to also take a screenshot of the episode and share it with your loved ones on social media, tagging both your unconscious is showing and the period truth period doctor. I love being able to share what you learn on my platforms with my followers as well. Also, in case you aren't aware, I provide completely free mental health courses at my website, www.thetruthdoctor.com, and you can receive free daily text messages from me if you live in the United States simply by texting my number, 424-228-9525. Now, let's get to the podcast. The more people who hear these truth messages, the more the world is getting better, a little at a time. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to episode seven of my podcast, Your Unconscious is Showing. My name is Dr. Courtney Tracy. I am known on social media as The Truth Doctor, and today I would like to talk to you all about borderline personality disorder. Now this topic, it's, it's widely discussed and, but unfortunately it's widely discussed because there's a lot of clinicians and a lot of, well, okay, so there's a lot of clinicians who, they don't necessarily want to work with people that have this diagnosis, that have borderline personality disorder. Insurance companies do not wanna cover any types of personality disorders, and they really don't wanna cover borderline personality disorder. And then clients, human beings, who are diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, feel as though they have been stigmatized not only in their own lives, not only in their own heads, not only in their own families, but also in the mental health profession. And when I ask my listeners, and by the way, thank you so much, there are over 10,000 of you within the first two months, the first month and a half of this podcast existing. So thank you so much for being here. When I asked you all, what another topic would be that you guys would want to hear about. And I have a list of six of them that I'm coming up with and making episodes for you guys on. Um, borderline personality was one of them. And I think that it's really important to talk about this topic. Um, I want you guys to know that if you don't have borderline personality disorder, if you don't know someone that has borderline personality disorder, if you don't even know what borderline personality disorder is, then I'm going to go over this information for you and you're gonna have a really clear idea of why this was a necessary topic for the podcast Your Unconscious is showing um, and why there have been so many inquiries for me to discuss it from my perspective, my, my point of view, um, and what comes up for me when I'm talking about this type of personality disorder. And so I hope that this episode is helpful for you if you do have it, if you know someone that has it, and if you just enjoy listening to this podcast because you're interested in mental health, you're interested in the human mind, and you're interested in how we as human beings can fluctuate and adjust to our life and our own mind and our environment, 
um, from various things that happen to us and various ways that we're treated throughout the course of our life. Now, borderline personality disorder is stigmatized, as I mentioned. And the reason that it's stigmatized is because supposedly, and it is expressively in the symptomatology of borderline personality disorder, difficult to work with. The human beings who have the diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, who have symptoms and characteristics of borderline personality disorder can be difficult to deal with and to work with. And that doesn't go unnoticed by people who have borderline personality disorder. And I feel like that's one of the, one of the breaks where, one of the disconnects, where people who are in the mental health field, I think that they, I think some of them believe that people that are diagnosed with or express borderline personality disorder behavior, that they don't, that they're not aware of how difficult they are to work with. And I'm telling you that every client that I have ever worked with that has had borderline personality disorder, they know that they're difficult. They know that like they have to live with their own minds. It's not, it doesn't go unnoticed that they're difficult to deal with in relationships, to deal with in a work environment, in a school environment, because they're dealing with themselves every day. And so the stigmatization that comes along with insurance companies and mental health professionals not wanting to treat people with borderline personality disorder, it, it honestly, like it, it upsets me. And, and the reason that it upsets me is because I believe that in my teen years, in my early 20s, I also had expressive behavior that could have easily, easily been diagnosed as borderline personality disorder. Some, there are some people that say that personality disorders are, that, that they're everlasting. There are some people that believe that personality disorders can change. And I do not believe that I express characteristics at this point in my life um, as borderline personality disorder. However, the list of symptoms that I'm gonna go over for you guys, I swear to God, every single one of them was like, like, it was like like the character description of me as a teenager and me as a young adult. And so when I think about, and you know, referencing where I'm at today as a clinician and as a clinical entrepreneur and as a public figure in the mental health field in a variety of different arenas, I know who I really am today and I know why those behaviors existed in my life, in my personality, in my thought process, in my emotions, in my relationships, in my employment, in my school, in my fucking head. I know why I was acting the way that I was acting and I don't act like that anymore. And it was through a lot of the interventions that I'm going to talk to you guys about today for borderline personality disorder or similar to borderline personality disorder, like the things that we would use to treat it that I'm at where I'm at today. I did not have a therapist help me through these symptoms. I did not utilize the intervention that I'm gonna discuss with you guys today, which was uh, DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. But I do engage in a lot of the aspects of DBT with my clients and a lot of the aspects of DBT in my own life. And so this episode is about borderline personality disorder, how it develops, um, what is what is primarily used to treat it and um, a little bit about what it looks like and I just think that this episode is going to be really helpful for you in a few ways if you have it it's going to be helpful if you know someone that has it it's going to be helpful if you used to have it 
it's gonna be helpful. And if you don't know what it is and you wanna learn more about it, then it's gonna be helpful for you. One disclaimer that I do have to put is that I cannot guarantee that the intervention that I'm going to discuss with you guys today is going to be the ultimate solution to your symptoms if you're diagnosed with borderline personality disorder or if you feel like you have symptoms of borderline personality disorder. Everyone is different. And most of the time, a practitioner that moves forward with using DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, with any client, any human being that's presenting with symptoms that may benefit from this intervention, they usually use a specified and standardized protocol. Now, I don't do that. I'm not certified in DBT, but I sure as hell understand it, and I pull what I need to from various interventions when I'm working with clients, when I am providing case consultation for all of the clients that are at my treatment center. If you don't know that I have a treatment center already, it'd be good for you to know that I am the founder and CEO of Good Heart Recovery. It's an outpatient adult mental health and addiction clinic that's located in Santa Barbara, California, and you can learn more about it at goodheartrecovery.com. Two of the main symptoms of borderline personality disorder are very fast, fleeting, intense, and impulsive emotions. And those come from, a, from various reasons, from trauma in your past, from difficult interpersonal relationships, from genetics and a specific upbringing and chemical imbalances, either too much or too little of a certain brain neurotransmitter or adjustments in brain structures, such as an overactive amygdala, for example, or the hippocampus in terms of memory having having difficulties with gaining interpersonal insights and learning coping skills and being able to follow through with tasks at hand because the mind is ever so fluctuating and it's so it's very difficult to sit still. So two of the main symptoms are difficulty with interpersonal relationships um, and impulsivity when it comes to ever-changing and quick alter, altering emotions. Now, before you go and self-diagnose and before you go and diagnose anyone in your life that has difficulty with interpersonal relationships and has fast bleeding and impulsive emotions, please do not do that. And just understand that these are some of the two main symptoms of borderline personality disorder. And it's important to know that these two reasons are primarily why clinicians and people who are engaging with humans that have been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder find it so difficult to work with them. Because when you are in a relationship, whether it's parent-child, partner-partner, therapist or clinician and client, um, and honestly, sometimes like your true self and the self that is engaging in the borderline personality disorder symptomatology, the relationships can become really difficult. And there is, you know, a lot of people who have borderline personality disorder live in the mindset of black and white thinking and live in the mindset of all or nothing. And we go, we, we as human beings who experience borderline personality disorder go from loving someone to hating them. Go from thinking that this is the right way to do things to thinking that this is the right way to do things. And to shy away and isolate and self-harm and then to cling on and want more. And it's hard for us, like there's attachment concerns when you are a human being that has experienced trauma, when you're a human being that has severe anxiety, that's had abusive or neglective interpersonal relationships, or if you have a family history of people with PTSD or addiction or anger issues, and you've, you've gained these epigenetic changes 
from your family and then the environment of your family or the environment of your community, it makes sense that experiencing difficult experiences in your lifetime, in your, in your childhood, in your young adulthood, in your adulthood, it makes sense that the brain and the body would want what all human beings want, which is the desire to be loved and the desire to connect and at the same time be, be negotiating with the desire to be loved and the desire to connect with the fact that we have been hurt as humans and other humans have hurt us and we feel like we can't trust our own mind and we feel like we can't trust other people and so then we push away. Then we as human beings push away. We want to isolate, we want to blame ourselves because of the things that we've heard before. We feel shameful because of our symptoms. And it scares people. And let me explain why. You are not scary. People that have borderline personality disorder are not scary, at least not to me. Not to me because I understand. I really understand. There is a reason there is a reason for every symptom that anyone experiences at any point in time, physical, spiritual, psychological, cognitive, emotional, anything, any symptom has a cause. And if we can understand the causes, if you can understand the causes, if you can find the connections between the things that you've experienced in your past, the things that you experience in the present and the things that you perceive that you may or may not experience in the future, then you're gonna reach a point throughout your diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, throughout you working with someone or loving someone or being in a family with someone that has borderline personality disorder, that there's a reason. People don't just develop a give and take, a push and pull, a love and hate, a black and white, and an all or nothing perspective of life, emotions, thoughts, and behaviors for no reason. And when we stigmatize people for their symptoms, it makes not only the symptoms worse, but it makes the human being that's experiencing the symptoms worse. And it makes our inability to accept all humans, how they present worse. Now this worries clinicians primarily because there are some individuals who lack insight. There are some human beings that lack insight. And now what can happen if there's no insight into the fact that the, that the cause of your symptoms was from your past and from your past experiences and not necessarily from the present moment and in the relationship that you have with your clinician, with your therapist, with your counselor, with your psychologist, with your psychiatrist. Clinicians have a license and we wanna keep that license. And our licensing board will put the client first, will put the patient first to make sure that the clinician has done everything that they're supposed to do in the right way, ethically and legally, to treat you as a human being. Now, it can get messy because a person, a human with borderline personality disorder, can feel very confidently, very intensely, very extremely that the therapist, the clinician, has harmed them and done them wrong because their symptoms aren't getting better 
or they've been triggered by something in session or they've been triggered by something outside of session and the one person that they've built a connection with thus far is the therapist and the clinician and so the therapist and the clinicians putting themselves out there trying to help this human being that's experiencing borderline personality disorder resolve their symptoms and a lot of the times you guys in therapy things get worse before they get better and the reason for that is because we're looking underneath the rug we're looking underneath the blanket we're looking underneath the bed we're taking a look at all the shit all the monsters all the pain all the struggle all the suffering all of the negative emotions and all the positive emotions that we wish that we experienced and it can get worse we can start to feel worse and and in general human beings can be triggered and so the main fear for clinicians and therapists when working with people with borderline personality disorder is that the tables are going to be turned on them and also people that experience borderline personality disorder can engage in a lot of self-harm a lot of risky behavior and can have a lot of passive or active suicidality because they know that they are difficult. They have to live with their own difficult minds. And self-harm and suicidality, they are ways to numb and substance use and risky behaviors. They're ways to numb and, and try to forget that we have the mind that we have and that we have the bodily reactions that we have. And so that's why people are afraid. That's why people are scared. And for people that aren't therapists or clinicians, it just is really complicated. Most human beings are not given emotional and psychological education on a level beyond psychology 101 if they take it in high school, if they take it in college, if they even have the privilege of having access to a school or higher education that allows for arts and humanities that allows for you to have time you know the the privilege to have a life that allows you to have time outside of your public or private school to even dive deeper into the aspects of the mind emotions and psychological processes that go on within us as human beings it's a privilege to know what i know and that's why i'm sharing it with you guys today if you are a family member a friend a partner of someone that has borderline personality disorder I really, really encourage you to start reading up on borderline personality disorder. Please, please read up on it. I want you to learn about how it happens. How did the symptoms develop? Um, and like I mentioned, they develop in a variety of different ways. Genetically, environmentally, in childhood and young adulthood, through interpersonal relationships, through trauma, through neglect. It can come up in attachment to co-occurring and other mental health and substance use disorders. And it can also come up from an inability, whether that's internally or externally, to process all types of emotions. So someone can have really unresolved anger for a variety of different reasons. And when that anger is not allowed to be expressed or when that sadness or that guilt or that embarrassment or you know that need for love and connection, if that's pushed down, if that's neglected, if that's not given space, then what we're trying to do inside our minds, consciously and subconsciously, is we're trying to rationalize, like where are we supposed to put all of these emotions if we're not allowed to feel them? Where are we supposed to put all of these emotions if we are feeling them and expressing them and it's just pushing people away? And so we get confused as human beings. Our personality starts to change. Can we be our real selves or can we not be our real selves? Can we trust people or can we not trust people? And then in turn, that makes us not necessarily trustworthy because we're so wrapped up in this past that the past becomes the present and then our present 
is scary to people and it's volatile and it's impulsive and it's irrational and it's so back and forth and then the present affects our future and it feels like this crazy loop where our genetics and our environment and our past and our present and our future and everything going on in our minds and through all of those times in our lives are all just one big jumbled mess that make people afraid of us. And I want to tell you, if you are a family member or a parent or a child or a friend or a peer to someone with borderline personality disorder, please just look it up. Look up why, ask them why. Ask them why they have been experiencing these things. Be a comrade, be a true friend. You know, I had people that called themselves my friends and then really treated me otherwise. And it was when I was going through these phases where I was very impulsive and very irrational and living in constant trauma reactions and triggers. And so just please have compassion and do some work. You gotta do some work. If you care about this person, they're not the only ones that need to do the work. And also I think it's important to note that if you're a therapist and a clinician that doesn't wanna work with borderline personality disorder, that's fine too, okay? That's fine too. Just please, if you feel like you have a stigma attached to it, please try to work on that also. And if you're someone that has borderline personality disorder or symptoms of borderline personality disorder, please know that a lot of the times therapists and clinicians, they won't work with you because they know their limits. They may not, be capable, and that doesn't mean that they're incapable therapists, but not all therapists can treat all diagnoses and all disorders. Like for example, I don't work with people that have eating disorders because I just, the concept of recovery from it isn't something that I'm comfortable with becoming an expert in. And so that's just, that's a subject that I don't treat. I also don't treat schizoaffective or schizophrenia or other types of psychosis type diagnoses like that as well. So we all have our limitations and my reasonings are not for stigma, but I know that there are some therapists and clinicians out there that, that do have some stigma. You know, I'm coming out with a post soon on my Instagram that says not all therapists are good therapists. And that's because not all human beings are always in their right mind and not all human beings always make the best decisions. Now, what I mean by that statement isn't that there are bad therapists. What I mean when, and what I'm gonna explain in the caption of that post is that not all therapists are good therapists for you. Not all therapists are gonna be a good therapist for someone with borderline personality disorder. It takes, a, it takes some oomph, you know? It takes some ability for someone to like call you a bitch or scream at you or blame you for things or be erratic and be impulsive. Like you have to be able to handle that. You have to be able, any clinician has to be able to handle the presenting symptoms of the human being that is sitting across from them in the room. I am someone that can handle those. And I want to explain later on when I'm going into the actual main intervention that's used for borderline personality disorder, why I believe that I'm qualified to treat borderline personality disorder, why I welcome people who have borderline personality disorder and why. As I mentioned, borderline personality disorder is primarily treated by a cognitive behavioral therapy known as dialectical behavioral therapy, and for short, it is called DBT. 
And dialectical behavioral therapy was created by Dr. Linehan and what she determined was that borderline personality disorder presented with and was caused from the following aspects. For the most part, when we mix biology, genetic and other biological factors, and an emotionally unstable childhood or young adulthood, we usually see borderline personality disorder along with many other possible mental health and substance use disorders, but borderline personality disorder can usually show up through a combination of biological and external environmental or internal environmental symptoms. So both nature and nurture. And what she means by unstable childhood environments is when a child has parents who punish trivialize or respond erratically, neglectfully, or abusively to the child's expressed emotions and behaviors. And this is what causes emotional dysregulation and interpersonal ineffectiveness. And those are the two main aspects of borderline personality disorder. It's borderline, it's on the borderline of many different types of personality disorders. We're riding the borderline of being this way or that way, good or bad, all or nothing, happy or unhappy, love or hate. And it's because we, we've been forced into this pushback. We've been forced into this back and forth of life. I'm your parent and I love you, but I don't love all of the things about you in terms of the things that you do, the things that you say, and the way that you feel. And perhaps we've had abuse from other caregivers or other people in our lives that have given us that same type of message where we're supposed to be valued and we perceive that we are a human being living this life and existing on the planet and we're supposed to have values and be treated equally with love and compassion and have mirroring and then we're not treated that way. And then sometimes we're told that and sometimes we're not. And so the emphasis is on emotional dysregulation when it comes to what we're going to be working on. And there's four aspects of dialectical behavioral therapy that really support treatment of borderline personality disorder. Now, before we get into actually what dialectical behavioral therapy is, and it's not going to be some like breakdown where I'm just listing out for you what it is, because that's just not this type of podcast. I'm going to be free flowing, telling you about why does this intervention work and how can you actually do it even after listening to this podcast? Obviously not in the like programmatic way in the evidence-based way that's actually listed out when there's DBT programs and DBT protocols and clinicians that are um, certified to treat DBT. Of course, just from listening to this podcast, you cannot treat yourself or start treating others with border that have borderline personality disorder with DBT, but you can take the perspectives of the types of interventions and the aspects of this intervention that are used with people with borderline personality disorder and think, if I have borderline personality disorder, if I'm presenting with symptoms of borderline personality disorder, if I know someone with borderline personality disorder, then I can maybe use aspects of this intervention to understand them more, to help them more, to help myself more, Anything that comes up for you when you're hearing these will be helpful regardless, as I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, whether you have it, know someone that has it, or are just now learning about it. Even though I'm not certified in the dialectical behavioral therapy, my like whole life revolves around the engagement of the dialectical behavioral therapy interventions and concepts and procedures. And I use DBT with almost everyone around me, with family, with friends, with people that I randomly meet and with clients in case conceptualization. And I say that I use DBT because I'm telling you, you guys, these concepts that I'm gonna go over with you, 
The only reason that these concepts fall under the category of DBT is because they're included in DBT and then DBT has been operationalized through scientific studies and used with borderline personality disorder clients and other types of clients to say, if you use this protocol and these types of interventions with this population, then here are the symptoms that will be reduced. It does not mean that what's being used in dialectical behavioral therapy is only used in dialectical behavioral therapy. It's just not possible. Like one of the four attributes of dialectical behavioral therapy is mindfulness and meditation. Dr. Linehan did not invent mindfulness meditation. She just included it as part of dialectical behavioral therapy. So when I say that I feel like I'm qualified to treat people with borderline personality disorder and that I prefer to specialize and prioritize people with borderline personality disorder that present with erratic and impulsive emotions and ineffective interpersonal communication skills and black and white and all or nothing thinking and risky behavior and substance use and suicidality and self-harm, it's because I know how to use the aspects of dialectical behavioral therapy and I know how to set boundaries and I trust myself and I trust the system in my head and the systems of the things that I've learned psychoeducationally through experience in higher education and through resolving my own traumas that I can work with this population and I can work with you if you have it. Now, I'm not saying that I can become your therapist. I'm saying I want you to know that there are people like me out there in the world that can and will and prefer to see you and help you live the life that you wanna live, to see the people that you love and help the people that you love live the life that they wanna live, that you want them to live. Happiness is possible. It is possible, and I'm sorry for the stigmatization of borderline personality disorder. Now listen, when it comes to treating people with borderline personality disorder, the reason again why I feel like I'm so qualified is because I know how to set boundaries. And I know how to cross those boundaries ethically and legally whenever needed to support the client. And that is something that is so, so important to talk about. Now, when I cross boundaries, I have to document why it's relevant. I have to document why my choice was the better choice to make than following specifically, potentially the known and written ethical and legal guidelines. It says in my code of ethics that if at any point the code of ethics limits the best decision to make for the client, then I need to make the best decision to make for the client. But I need to be able to justify it within the code of ethics and within the law. And if I can do that, and I know that very well, I almost became a lawyer, I almost studied forensic psychology, I almost went into IO psychology to learn about systems and structures and what's best for people, and I almost got a dual degree, an SID and a JD. And so I understand that it is important at times to cross boundaries. And it's super important to hold those boundaries specifically with people that have borderline personality disorder because we wanna teach them healthy relationships. We wanna teach them healthy relationships and we also wanna teach them when it's appropriate to push the boundary and when it's appropriate not to push the boundary. They're learning and we're mirroring and that's super important. So for any clinician or therapist that does treat borderline personality disorder, please know that it's important that you know how to set boundaries and cross boundaries when necessary. And you need to be able to teach your clients what that looks like. You have to be able to do it. And a lot of the times that's hard for clinicians. So if you're listening to this and you have borderline personality disorder, sometimes it's hard for clinicians. And I also have a lot more space in my mind and a lot of personal experience with these symptoms and this disorder. And so it makes a lot more sense to me and I have a lot more bandwidth 
especially being an expert in addiction and the type of shit that comes up with people that have addiction and the things that they've experienced, it's unlike any other type of mental health disorder unless the mental health disorder has led the person to being homeless and using substances at the same time, for example, or experiencing very, very severe abuse. It's very intense and very gnarly and it really does take a certain human that is a clinician to engage with your population, their population, our population uh, when we are expressing these types of symptoms. So I set boundaries and I know how to document when I cross them when it was necessary. And I also really know how to handle compassion. It's important to have a balance between expressing compassion to someone that is impulsive and struggling and doesn't really understand interpersonal relationships and then to pull back on that compassion, still have it internally, but be able to find a balance between having internal compassion and not necessarily expressing the internal compassion in a variety of different circumstances. It's super important because a lot of the times when we're experiencing borderline symptoms, we really want attention. We really want this to be the partner of our dreams. We really want to get this job. We really want to be right. We're really in love. And then, and so we will latch on to compassion. We'll latch on to attachment. We'll latch on to acceptance. And then when we're in a space where we're fucking over it, then we completely will push that away. And it's important for both the clinician and the client to know how to learn and regulate and find that balance between boundaries and compassion. And it takes someone willing to risk having to defend why they did what they did in court with that person to really make some effective changes with people with borderline personality disorder that are highly, highly impulsive, highly, highly incapable of interpersonal relationships in the moment and can be engaging in risky behavior like suicidality, self-harm, or um, other risky behaviors like substance use and alcohol use. So treating borderline personality disorder is a preference of mine. I'm willing to take on the challenge because I know that deep down within, there is a special human. There's a special human that went through a lot of difficult things in their life in your life and I that's why I do what I do that's why I'm where I'm at today is because I'm willing to take risks and I'm willing to pop the bubble and I'm willing to expand and push up the ceiling for people to have more room and more space and more accessibility and more access to high quality treatment for people that aren't afraid to take a risk and face what comes out of neglect, abuse, and trauma. So please take a look at whether or not you have a stigma related to people with borderline personality disorder. If you have borderline personality disorder, the reason that people may shy away from working with you is not because you're scary. It's not because they're afraid of you. It's because they are just not the human to help you. It's not you, it's them. And, and, they, and I don't even mean that in a way to be derogatory or talk negatively of other therapists that don't treat borderline personality disorder. It's simply just not a good fit. 
That's all that that means. And I know that it can feel like rejection and I know that it can feel like stigmatization and I know that it can feel like what's wrong with me and I'm never gonna be better and no one can help me. And, and I, I just, I know that feeling. And I want you to know that there are people out there and that you can get better and that you will. And dialectical behavioral therapy is one way to do that. As I mentioned, one of the main aspects of borderline personality disorder is emotional dysregulation. So what we're working on when we're using dialectical behavioral therapy and or the aspects of dialectical behavioral therapy that have been known to help people with borderline personality disorder is we're trying to have people reduce unhealthy attempts to cope with difficult emotions. So we want to reduce unhealthy ways that humans handle their emotions. And then we want them to learn in general how to have better relationships because we are connected beings. If you've listened to all of my podcasts, then you know that we are connected beings and we need interpersonal relationships. We need to be mirrored. We need to be seen, valued, heard, have conversations, express ourselves, be creative. All of those things are necessary. So we're working on emotional dysregulation. We are working on building interpersonal relationships and we're working on reducing the unhealthy responses and the unhealthy attempts to get rid of the negative emotions. So to be able to sit in distress, have distress tolerance, have interpersonal effectiveness, learn mindfulness and meditation, and learn emotional regulation. So one of the core concepts of dialectical behavioral therapy is mindfulness meditation. You know, if you have listened to every podcast that I've made so far, that I am such a fan of mindfulness meditation. Mindfulness and meditation and mindfulness meditation has changed my life. It is at the core of the treatment center that I own. Again, goodheartrecovery.com. It is at the core of me and my husband and my family and my friends work internally is mindfulness and meditation. And the reason for that is it allows you to see your mind and not be your mind. And when we can see our mind and not be our mind, then our mind does not have control over us and we can see our mind from the outside and say, whoa, this, this caused this? And now, now that's causing that? And I'm being consumed by that, but if I go back and look and see, these are the emotions, these are the thoughts, this is what it feels like to be in my body, to be in my mind, to be someone that had my past, is in my present and is expecting my future. It gives us a moment to pause and it gives us a moment to reflect and it gives us a moment to ground ourselves and find some goddamn peace. Because when we are experiencing borderline personality disorder symptoms, as humans, it is all consuming. It's so hard to see the expressions on other people's faces and the things that people say about us as humans when we experience these types of symptoms. It really just makes it worse. It really just makes it worse. And so when we have the ability to be mindful, when we have the ability to meditate and not necessarily quiet our mind, but just watch our mind, and allow our body to relax and not react to those emotions and those thoughts that we are experiencing, then we gain control, we gain insight, and we gain awareness. When we are engaging in mindfulness meditation, we are wanting to learn how to describe, how to observe, and how to participate in the thoughts and the emotions that we're experiencing with space. 
it's important for us to have space between ourselves and our impulses because our impulses are what's being perceived as our personality. And we are actually someone different than our impulses. And through mindfulness meditation, we get a chance to make space and to pause and to look at, describe, participate, interact, and observe where our mind wants to go, where our body wants to go, where we, where and how we want to react to this situation in our life or this situation in our minds or this situation in our emotions or this situation that's tied to a past trauma, abuse or neglect or expletive ex experience that we've had in our lifetime. Mindfulness meditation allows us to observe, describe and participate and create space between ourself and our impulsive thoughts and behaviors. Now, if you're interested in learning about mindfulness meditation, I have a free online course for you that I highly suggest that you check out. It's completely free. Like I always say, no ads, no sponsorships, no affiliate links. I'm not asking for anything from you. All I'm asking is that if you have borderline personality disorder, if you wanna learn about the mind, if you wanna learn about mindfulness meditation, then go to thetruthdoctor.com and sign up for my online community that's called the Truth Seekers Community and go down to the very first course that is called, How Does Your Mind Work? How does your mind work? You are going to learn about automatic processes, you are going to learn about subconscious processes, consciousness, and you are going to learn five different techniques of mindfulness and meditation. And as you continue on throughout these courses that I've created for the public, for the world, for free to learn how your mind works and how to reduce anxiety and how to reduce childhood trauma, there is another intervention throughout my courses that is called the loving kindness meditation. And it really allows you to learn how to connect with other beings, even when you're by yourself, just by engaging in mindfulness meditation and learning what it feels like to imagine your experience, your thoughts, and your spirit affecting other people in a positive way, and then dealing and sitting with the emotions of what that feels like, even when you are in a negative space. A lot of the times when we are experiencing borderline personality disorder symptoms, again, we have a lot, we have a lot of difficulty with interpersonal effectiveness, with interpersonal relationships. And the reason for that is, well, one, there's no space between ourselves and our and our impulses, but also there's no space between not only our impulsive behaviors, but also our impulsive thoughts and our impulsive emotions. And those come out as impulsive behaviors and impulsive words, impulsive actions and impulsive words. And when we have impulsive actions and impulsive words in an interpersonal relationship, it can push that person away. It can make it really difficult to communicate. And so the second aspect of dialectical behavioral therapy, in addition to mindfulness meditation, is interpersonal effectiveness. It's learning how to communicate how you're feeling, hear what other people are feeling and saying, say exactly what it is that you're trying to say, hold boundaries. We have to learn boundaries. If we have, if we have difficulty with interpersonal relationships and we love and then we hate, we not only have to be careful about how much we push away and hate, but also how much we pull in close and love because not only can we have a hard time not accepting other people's boundaries, but we can also have a hard time setting our own boundaries and we can put ourselves at risk. And so it's important with interpersonal effectiveness that we learn not only how to be clear and concise in our communication of our needs, but also how do we listen to other people when they are clear and concise about what it is that they need. And basically what we're learning 
through dialectical behavioral therapy is we're learning what it looks like to actually have a conversation where when you say something, the person listens and when the person says something, you listen. And there's respect and there's values and there's boundaries in communication. And we don't learn that through our life experiences when we've had trauma. We don't learn that through life experiences when we have a parent that's been abusive and neglectful. We don't learn that through life experiences when all the past partners that we've had, whether it was that first partner that had us experience the symptoms of borderline personality disorder or whether it was something else that caused us to experience the symptoms of borderline personality disorder and now those disordered symptoms are causing us to enter into these relationships that constantly remind us that we are not good enough and that we deserve to be treated poorly we don't learn how to have appropriate communication and mirror one another and allow each other to be seen and valued and heard and respected and so that's what we're teaching. The first two things that people will need to learn when they have borderline personality disorder is how to create space between themselves and their impulses, how to learn that they're not their thoughts and their emotions, how to learn with being still and present in the moment and accepting what it is that we're experiencing, and then to learn how to communicate in the way that a parent is supposed to teach a child. And the way that a partner is supposed to teach another partner, in a way that we're supposed to lift each other up as human beings so that our existence on this planet is full of joy and not pain and full of happiness and not fear and full of respect versus abuse and neglect and exploitation. We wanna learn how to be mindful. We wanna learn how to find peace. We wanna learn how to build relationships that we know are built on core values where we can trust the person and the person can trust us. And yes, this comes with time. And yes, this comes with practice. And yes, it's not perfect all the time and it never will be. The world is not perfect. And so if you know, again, someone with borderline personality disorder, if you have it, if you have borderline personality disorder, if you treat it, treat it with compassion, treat yourself with compassion, treat them with compassion. You're not perfect. So please stop expecting other people to be. And I know that that's so much easier said than done, but I'm promising you that the more and more that you work on space, the more and more that you work on effective interpersonal communication and general interpersonal effectiveness, the more it will become easier to do just that, to respect yourself so you respect others and then expect others to respect you in return. And you can replace the word respect with love and being compassionate and listening and holding values. People that have borderline personality disorder have difficulty with distress tolerance. We have difficulty as human beings with distress tolerance even when we don't have borderline personality disorder. When we have been through so much shit in our lives, we don't wanna go through any more shit. It's really that simple. We don't wanna deal with the bullshit anymore. And the problem is, is that all, all the stuff that we've been through, we've internalized it. Unless we know how not to internalize it, which nobody teaches us until we've experienced something traumatic or something difficult or start to have panic attacks or develop a personality disorder, that we have to learn how to un-take it in. We have to learn how to un-have it become a part of us. And so we have to unabsorb it. We have to take a look at it. Now, we experience difficult experiences. We inherit difficult experiences and then we internalize them. And so now the pain of our past is within us and we're experiencing the pain constantly. And so it's like, not only do we not want to 
deal with the pain and the suffering and the hurt and the emotion that we feel internally from the things that we have experienced, but it's as if they're still happening. And so we are full. Our stress limit is capped. Our anxiety limit is capped. Someone looking at us the wrong way, someone saying the wrong thing to us, it's fucking capped because we are carrying around so much trauma, so much anxiety, so much pain. It makes me emotional to even think about it. Like, I don't know if you're watching this on YouTube or not, but maybe you can see that my eyes are starting to water up because when someone has difficulty managing distress, I'm telling you it's not, it's not just because of an impulse control issue. It's because we're full of pain. It's because we're full of stress and being distressed and living in distressed environments, both internally and externally. So, I mean, there's two main ways that dialectical behavioral therapy helps with distress tolerance. One of them is a, a very clear way of just radically accepting the things that you've been through in your past. Because when we have the distress and the stress and the trauma and the abuse and the neglect from our past that we've internalized, it's because we don't accept it. We don't want it to have happened and we wish so badly that it was different and every way that we perceive that our life could have been different and that we could have been different and that that experience could have been different, we hold on to it, we attach to it. We attach to the attachments that we wish that we had. And it's so important that that radical acceptance is part of your life because there really isn't a reason to hold on anymore. There really isn't a reason to hold on anymore because we have to accept what we can't change. And that's where radical acceptance comes into play. And it's such an important concept. It really is such an important concept, specifically when it's dealing with things that you've been through that you can't change or things that are in the present moment that you can't change, no matter how difficult it can be. No matter how difficult it can be, you know, it, it just is so important to radically accept and not to radically accept everything. And that's a really important thing for me <laughs> to state is that you do not have to radically accept everything in your life. Again, you need to learn how to set boundaries and boundaries are appropriate and you have values. And if the person knows your values or the person's harming you physically or psychologically, that is not something that you need to radically accept. So please understand that. I don't care if they are an authority figure over you. I don't care if they're your parent. No one needs to radically accept abuse, neglect, exploitation, trauma, or any other type of physical or psychological or cognitive pain. And the other aspect of distress tolerance is learning how to self-soothe. Now, this is something that I just understand this. When I was growing up, I was mainly raised by my mother and my mother is someone that fully has the capability of self, fully has the capability and had the capability of soothing me, of mirroring me, of making me feel seen and heard and accepted, but she wasn't really there emotionally um, or physically. And so I just wanna preface that I understand what it feels like. It makes me emotional, seriously. I know what it feels like to have to learn how to self-soothe, and I know what comes up for most people when they have to learn how to self-soothe. What comes up is, why didn't I learn this by being able to see how someone soothed me. Because that's what's supposed to happen. Our partners, the authority figures over us, 
our parents, our siblings, we're supposed to learn from them how, what it looks like to soothe another person and what it looks like to be soothed, specifically with our parents. Our parents are supposed to soothe us and be able to self-soothe themselves so that we then learn this is how it feels to be in a soothing relationship with another person and this is how and this is what it looks like when someone can self-soothe themselves. So when we have to start to self-soothe, when we did not have someone that we saw self-soothe healthy, when we did not have people who soothed us in moments and times in our lives when we weren't supposed to be able to know how to self-soothe, it can bring up a lot of wish. It can bring up a wish and a desire that things were different. It can bring up that now we have to self-soothe as if we're children. We have to learn how to take care of our own emotions because either no one was there for us, they were there for us in the inappropriate way, or we were the only ones that were there for us and we didn't know what the hell we were doing when we were learning how to self-soothe when we were younger. And so I get it. And self-soothing is so important for people with borderline personality disorder because <laughs> when we love and then hate, it's because we're trying to self, it's because we want soothing and then we want to self-soothe. We want attachment and we want to be independent. We're so stuck in all of these different arenas of psychological and cognitive and physical development and we're, we're just stuck. We're stuck in not knowing how to soothe ourselves and others. We're stuck in not knowing how to radically accept the things that we've been through. We're stuck in having no space between ourselves and our impulses. And we're stuck with having no idea how, how our mind works and, and, and what aspects of our mind we should listen to and which ones we shouldn't. A study that I read stated that dialectical behavioral therapy is helpful 77% of the time for people with borderline personality disorder. If you can't afford therapy, and I understand, let me just start off by saying, the studies that show that dialectical behavioral therapy works for the symptoms of borderline personality disorder work or say that they work based on following a specific operationalized and standardized protocol of dialectical behavioral therapy. So what I'm about to say is not proven. It's not evidence-based and proven because what I'm about to say is something that can't be studied. And if, it can, and if it could be studied, then it would be standardized and operationalized and have a protocol and you have to do this in this session and this on this day and this in this order or this for this amount of frequency. And so because you're not a researcher and because you're not a, potentially not a clinician, you're just someone that wants to work on difficulty with interpersonal relationships and having no space between your impulses and wanting to know how your mind works and going back and forth between loving a, in a relationship and hating in a relationship and self-harming and suicidality. I want you to engage in what I've discussed as the aspects of dialectical behavioral therapy. I want you to go look at my courses that are completely free and learn about your mind and learn about mindfulness, mindful speaking, mindful listening, mindful eating, mindful observation, mindful doing. I want you to learn about mindfulness meditation and look at the loving kindness meditation. You can Google these things if you need to. You don't have to take my course, but if you like me and the way I describe things, then that's why those are there for free. I want you to think about creating space between yourself and your impulses. I want you to look up how to have more interpersonal effectiveness, how to have interpersonal relationships in an effective and healthy way, how to set boundaries with yourself. I want you to learn how to self-soothe, look up ways to self-soothe, and I want you to look up radical acceptance. 
and I want you to consider using these things. I want you to consider that borderline personality disorder is not something that should be stigmatized. You should not be stigmatized. They should not be stigmatized. I should not be stigmatized. I want you to consider that the symptoms that you are experiencing are not a result of who you are. They are not, they don't belong to you. They don't belong to you. They are attached to things that you have experienced and or things that you lacked the experience of throughout the course of your life. They are manageable. They are curable. A lot of people think that personality disorders and addiction cannot be cured. Now, you can have relapses. Your mind patterns can go back into those ways, but that doesn't mean that you can't get better. It doesn't mean that you can't have all of your symptoms go away. I believe that you can. I believe that this will help. My name is Dr. Courtney Tracy. I am known on social media as The Truth Doctor. You are listening to my podcast, Your Unconscious is Showing. And the truth is, borderline personality disorder is just an aspect of human existence where there is difficulties in the past, in the present, and perceived in the future. And when you have space between yourself and your impulses, when you learn how to effectively communicate, when you learn how your mind works, mindfulness, meditation, learn how to self-soothe, and can finally let go of the things that you can't control, then you will 